Welcome to the Connect FCSN podcast. Each episode is geared towards recruiting, supporting, and retaining past, current, and future professional family and consumer sciences educators. I am your host, Barbara Scully, and I want to boldly celebrate families and careers with you. Hi, and welcome back to the Connect FCSN podcast. I'm your host, Barb Scully. Today with me, I have Dr. Sandra Adams, who she will be becoming the Vice President for Administration with the ACTE Board of Directors. Sandra currently serves as a CTE Administrator with a large urban district. Her passion for active learning and high-quality instruction led her to author four books on CTE instruction and meaningful teacher collaboration, including her top-selling, but I'm not a reading teacher, book. Sandra has also worked with numerous school districts across the U.S. and is a regular contributor for ACTE's Techniques magazine. She has provided multiple presentations for state, regional, and national ACTE conferences. Most recently, She is sharing her keynote address, Possibility Thinking, with the five Ps of WBL. How to embed WBL into any CTE program to promote student performance. Welcome, Sandra. I am so glad to have you. Thank you, Barbara. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. So you have pivoted from being an instructional consultant So now where you really focusing on singletons and PLCs in CTE, how are you doing? Yeah, that's awesome. I am, when I began my career in CTE nearly a decade ago, I was an instructional coach hired to come in and work on improving the classroom and just really bringing more innovative instructional strategies into the classroom. And I genuinely before that had didn't have a lot of experience with career and tech ed teachers and so it was a real new world for me in the arena of education and I noticed right away how uh, powerful and impactful instruction was in the lab but for teachers who had labs that were completely separate than the classroom once the students went back into the classroom learning it seemed like very traditional comprehensive high school lessons And I made it my mission to work with teachers who were really wanting to make the whole CTE experience come alive, not just the lab. And in the last decade, I've transitioned from the coach to the building leader. And along the ways, one of the biggest obstacles has been helping those singleton teachers, because anyone listening to this podcast that is in career and tech ed knows you have, this is a big problem. And it's hard to build learning communities around, you know, the original DeFore theory that we know works when they can't come in and talk about, we all teach ninth grade English. And so one of the greatest pluses for uh, moving my work forward was actually John Hattie's research on the science of learning, because I was able then to really go in and take out 10 of his effective research-based strategies and have our teachers shift away from content and shift towards, let's just talk about instruction, whether it's welding, automotive, uh, medical assisting, construction trades, early education, it doesn't matter. Just thinking about 
quality instruction is quality instruction has really been um, a great tool for us to develop those professional learning communities. And uh, one of the things I always say, Barbara, is that you can tell the quality of a staff by how much shared best practices is happening, especially if it's happening organically. Oh my gosh. Yes. Uh, (laughs) It is so important to be able to recognize that and being able to see it organically happening within any building, within any PLC, that just, that's, that's a cause for celebration alone. So how would you describe your journey with career and technical education? So one of the greatest successes that I've had is using individual classroom pilots to field test. And that was probably the transition piece for me, moving from an instructional coach to wanting to be the leader and not just helping to manage the building, but really leading so that we can elevate student experiences. And so I was so fortunate Back uh, seven years ago, our district wanted to launch into high school internships for the first time, and we did that with some software development students. And for me, as one of the people steering that work, it was one of the biggest learning lessons I've ever had in education. Number one, people really believed, teachers, administrators, lots of us, believed that businesses would not want these students. And uh, the best part about it was, this is before we had the economic push. You know, now everyone is really concerned about developing their own pipeline. But seven years ago, we didn't have that. So I was prepared to beg teacher or beg business partners to take our students, but they were willing participants in it. And when we watch these students completely elevate themselves in their communication skills and their collaboration skills, but even more than that, in that um, that hunger for more. And we, uh, there was a group of us who decided that we were gonna field test these high school internships then in other program areas. And it is really interesting because we had started with seven and today I think we have about 168 interns and they are you know across the board in at least 12 different program areas. And I just ran into a student um, yesterday who was an intern who shared with me, this is so coincidental, it just happened yesterday at a Chick-fil-A. I ran into him and he said, you know, Mrs. Adams, I'm so excited because I'm going to go to work for this company and it is a nice local employer with a great reputation. And he, he said, Mrs. Adams, I don't know if you know this or not, but I was on the verge of dropping out in the, uh, at the end of my junior year. And we sat and had a long conversation about it. And I said, you just never know. Some students in today's world need a different environment because they're conditioned that this environment that they're in doesn't work for them. And so I am one of the leading voices for getting students involved with partners and not just internships. And that's kind of where I'm moving into the future with my new role with ACTE is I would really like to get people to see work-based learning as a mindset and not just a one and done or a series of one and dones, but more, how do we get kids with partners from the beginning of the school year to the end to grow them? Yes, no, absolutely. And I know 
I don't know about your district, but I can tell you for like in several districts around me, we struggle trying to get students to engage and participate in work-based learning activities, um, either internships, apprenticeships, um, or gosh, just going around and checking out what opportunities there are. And especially for here in Washington State, our state superintendent, he is, you know, pushing that initiative for the work-based learning where students are getting, you know, dual credit for, for working while being in school. So students have this very unique opportunity, in my state at least, to earn class credit while working on the job. And is that something that you have experienced within your state? Yes, uh, Indiana is leading the initiative on that as well. And we actually operate under a concept we call the power of 15. And uh, that is hoping that anybody who's a year, a two-year concentrator in a CTE program area will graduate with at least 15 dual credits from one of our uh, technical community colleges. And we are seeing, I know this year we have, I want to say 60 to 70 students who will earn their certificate of 18 dual credits. And so it's not, you know, it's not a mind blowing number, but it's constantly improving. It's improvement. Yes. Yeah, it is. And the other side of the coin, the part that I really love about career and tech ed is we do send kids into that college arena, but we also respect the fact that some of our students do have the goal of moving right into the workforce without it. So rather than saying college going culture, we say post-secondary focused. And that's what I love about today's age is people are really for the first time starting to accept that every criminal justice student might be on a different pathway. You know, every construction trade student may be on, some may want an associate's degree. Some may want to go right to work for a local employer. Some may want to do an apprenticeship. And just honoring that, I find that to be really just uplifting. Yes. And it's refreshing, honestly. Yes. Because if you just like, so within seven years of you promoting and transitioning into various roles, I've just seen over from the time I was in high school, which was over 20 years ago, where that push was, oh, college. College, college. And now it is becoming that new norm, that Mm -hmm. new normal of saying, you know what, there are other opportunities and you don't have to, this isn't your path and that is okay. Yeah, I 100% agree. Uh, So, okay, so you are also an author. So why did you publish CTE specific books? When I first started working with career and tech ed teachers, I was doing um, some work across Ohio, Indiana, and Michigan. And one thing that kept coming up was after I would present on the need for better literacy-based strategies, people would invariably come up to me and say, I'm not a reading teacher but I'm not a reading teacher. And so that um, that really catapulted me into wanting to clear it up <laughs> that if you're teaching in the year uh, 2000 anything, you are 
a reading teacher. And so, you know, we all have to fight the literacy. And I kind of took from my own experiences with teachers in career and tech ed. And I noticed that at the time there was starting to really become bigger discussions around like financial literacy. And uh, it really opened my eyes to the fact that for every career field, there is a way to be literate. And, you know, I even went back to a time when we were building our house years before this, that my husband and the uh, contractor were having a conversation and I laughed afterwards. And I said, I had no idea what you were even speaking about because I didn't know what a trust was at the time. And I didn't know, you know, and it was all foreign to me. And uh, and that's why a lot of my work does focus on instruction, especially around technical vocabulary, which I know you share my passion for. Um, And just really hoping that when you frame your instruction with a passion for your career field, that you can advance their literacy skills. And we've seen a lot of data show that these strategies definitely can advance students and their performance with um, certification passage rates. And I like that because it's a nice apples to apple year to year comparison measure. And we have seen that really shift, especially for students with IEPs, which is just a great moment to celebrate. No, it really is. And having that shared uh, common vocabulary amongst, so amongst students um, and teachers, it's crucial, I believe. And also just with the fact, so you, you, when you, when you and your uh, family were building your house, that vocabulary, you didn't know what a trust was. And it's like, oh, but, and then going back into the classroom and having that, that shared, um, shared experience that you had, you're like, oh my gosh, we're all reading teachers. We're all having to read instructions. We're all having to read something when it comes to being in the classroom, either being in a textbook or an article or even a recipe or, or financials. We're all reading. And so therefore, yes, we are all reading teachers. So what has been some of your inspirations for your work? It's really interesting to me because as an instructional coach, those years laid the foundation for what I know to be true about career in tech ed. And uh, as I have grown professionally, I've just continued my focus shifting forward. And so, of course, now that I'm a building leader, I'm very interested in the leadership component. And when I was collecting my thoughts around PLC and CTE, I knew that I was working beyond the scope of DeFore's work and the people that have followed in his trailblazing efforts around learning communities. And I just really want to practice what I preach. And with my team of teachers at home, I say all the time, Shared best practices is our mark that we're doing the right work. And so as a leader, I also feel that if you're doing work and you should be sharing it, you know, if you are sitting at a table and you have a voice, you should definitely use your voice. I believe that firmly. And so I I saw with the certification data, I saw what we were doing was working in terms of how to build better teams. And so I wanted to publish that. And today we were talking about the internships. Uh, I'm delivering a keynote on possibility thinking, and that also is just based on what I had, what I have witnessed from COVID, what I call COVID slide, where <laughs> students 
you know, sat alone in a room for a year and a half. And now how do we catapult them into internships and apprenticeships and, you know, job shadows that are meaningful and working with partners via email and Zoom on different class projects. And it is not easy work because that year and a half of isolation really changed everything. And so I'm very excited about the uh, work-based learning mindset and possibility thinking. And so just taking that into that administrative role with ACTE is something I'm very looking forward to. So when talking about this uh, um, presentation that you're going to be giving on the the possibilities, uh, do you have any other exciting projects that you're working on that kind of coincide with that? Yes. So I'm going to uh, be giving a keynote in Macomb, Michigan, and it is around the uh, intersection of partners, higher ed, and secondary teachers working together. And so that is work that I really find very exciting moving forward is that it feels like the silos are finally breaking down and that economic developers are coming to the table and businesses are coming with their ideas. And we're all coming together to have these deeper discussions about closing that achievement gap. And, you know, there is so much talk today's world about equity. And I don't think that equity or inequity shows up more than it does with who is getting the internships. And so really making sure that you are providing partner opportunities to all students is something that, you know, ACTE, it's a big part of their mission over the next decade. I think every building leader shares that. And, you know, you have to be very diligent and deliberate with your work to make sure that all students get that access. And it has been great to see, you know, like in construction trades and welding, so many women are stepping up to the table now. And in health sciences, you're seeing the reverse. You're seeing so many men taking the risk of being, you know, following your passion, no matter if it's gender stereotyped or not. And so we are really loving that. I know in our dental careers class, we have more men now than we have ever had and um, aspiring to be the dental assistant that perhaps transitions into a dentist. And it is very, um, it's just work that really inspires you to keep fighting the good fight. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. Well, I'm excited. I'm excited for your students who are growing all in each of those individual programs. Uh, For me personally, I am trying to actually inspire my own daughter who is a junior in high school, soon to be a senior, to actually go to our local skill center for her senior year and do the welding program. Because she is so artistic, uh, she's uh, she's been at our local skill center this last year working in you know graphic design, digital media, and she's she's grown so much within that area. But now, if she could take that over to welding, oh my gosh, the possibilities are endless. And in that kind of trade, who would have po- the skills? Because mm-hmm. as a parent, I want. And I have to go back just a little bit because as a parent, I want her to graduate with a skill because she doesn't know if she wants to go to college and that's completely fine with me. But again, I want her to graduate with some sort of skill and opportunity that she will have, you know, it's opportunities of going, okay, 
I have something now where where do I go from here and your story with your daughter reminds me of uh, a new initiative that we just launched last week Ooh. and that and it was it was no easy task and it made me a basket of nerves the day we were launching it because I was so afraid that families might not come out but we worked with uh, four manufacturing companies to do a parent education piece because that is I don't know about where in Washington if you feel this but Locally, we have a, manufacturing is a base for us. The machinist jobs, the welding jobs is a huge base for our local economy. And we still struggle to get not welders so much, but machinists. And we decided this is another really great example of the work that you do with partners and how you can really break those silos down. We're operating independently. And we launched a parent night from uh, four different companies opened their doors and their HR people were willing to give up some of their own time to allow parents and families to come in and see the jobs firsthand. And we believed that, you know, manufacturing, it's a common belief that pe people don't go into that because they conjure up these dirty images of the past of factory work. And it's just simply not the case. You know, we have companies that are pristine on the inside and the work that people are doing is innovative and it's not mundane. And um, so just, we really believed as a team, if people could come in and see these jobs firsthand, then they would uh, really just have a better picture of what could your kids do and what are those jobs that they could step right into. So for your daughter, I was thinking that would also be a great opportunity, you know, like, let's go see, like a TIG welder working in a lab coat, because that doesn't fit at all what I think welding is. Exactly. And that is, I would love, uh, gosh, we should uh, work together a little bit and see about how we can even promote something like that. Gosh, within my state, within my district, but gosh, that should be something that maybe inspires other uh, instructional, CTE instructional coaches across states to start thinking outside of the box and going, you know what, maybe this is a, this is a really good idea. And at the same time, you're breaking down barriers. Right. Yeah. So yeah. the heart of the, the heart of my possibility thinking work is redefining a teacher and redefining those coaches as people who don't deliver content, but intersect people between efficacy and new connections and that's what exactly what you're saying for your daughter is you want her to have efficacy. You want her to have a technical skill that she knows that she can sell herself, that she can do something that other people can't. And you need to get her connected to adults who can be resourceful for her. So maybe it is a coach who sets up a tour. And, you know, I mean, just I find that the intersection between efficacy and connections is where you really do grow those possibilities. So I'm excited to share that work. Oh, wonderful. Well, <laughs> we'll be sure to have all of your contact information in the show notes for people to reach out to you. Thank you. In final, what is your vision for CTE within the next decade, especially with your new role as vice president for the ACTE admin division? So I'm very excited about the future of CTE, the economic conditions of today have really made it possible for us to do greater work. And I know that ACTE 
is run by just people who are so visionary and really want to reshape education. And it's great for me because when I was a classroom teacher, I was kind of an academic elitist who has transitioned into just a great passion for career and tech ed and what we can do for students. So I believe that the work around parent outreach, opening up with companies, getting everybody at the table like um, Shannon Williams is doing in Macomb and bringing all of those voices together can really help leaders in all districts. So I, yeah, breaking down the silos of economic development and education and bringing all the voices together is a work that I'm very excited about. Well, I am excited for you and I'm excited for all of the opportunities that are going to flourish for all of our educators because of the work that you and ACTE are doing and helping promote wonderful opportunities that are coming up for everybody involved, all of our stakeholders. Really quickly, can you tell me the four, the name of the four books that you have authored or co-authored? Of course, yes. So the first book that we wrote was Dive Into Strategic Thinking. And that book really is about taking a deep dive into how do I get kids to think on a complex level? And it's full of great antidotes that people will love. If uh, you are looking to build lesson development skills in your teachers, that is a perfect book for that. And if you are uh, looking for technical vocabulary, career-based literacy strategies. That's why we wrote, But I'm Not a Reading Teacher. And then we wrote a very teacher-friendly book called Next Level CTE Instruction. That's, that is a great, um, it's a great tool for looking at eight different strategies that teachers used to completely transform from a lecture PowerPoint to an exciting, uh, productive talk-based classroom. I'm a big advocate for productive talk and complex thinking. I feel that when you bring those together, the classroom does become more like a lab setting. And then the fourth book is the book that I finally authored alone, and that is the uh, Professional Learning Communities in CTE. And so I feel that you can see my work really has just followed my career. No, that's wonderful. And I will be sure to link all of your books into the show notes so that listeners and partners can quickly access and and purchase. Well, thank you, Sandra. I've really enjoyed our conversation today. I will have all of your contact information and books in my show notes for people to access. And just thank you again so much for your time today. This has been a wonderful conversation. I want to thank you for your podcast because I have been listening to so many of your uh, previous episodes and I realized that you share my vision of shared best practices because everything that you do is getting those voices out there of who is doing work that is working. And so greatly, greatly appreciate your work and I'm a big fan. Thank you. Well, thank you. I appreciate that so much. Well, my friends, as always, let's continue leading student success with FCS. We're better together. Barbara Scully from the Connect FCS Ed podcast presents a fresh take on recruitment and support for today's modern home economics educators in the family and consumer sciences. FCS Classroom, sharing insightful stories, strategies, and resources in a fun and sustainable and practical way. 
Each episode focuses on a different aspect of modern home economics. From community engagement, leadership, classroom management, to lessons and more, each episode brings a different perspective, offering expert professional development, interviews from a collaborative worldwide FCS community, with the hope that it will inspire and empower you to make informed decisions. Together, we are better at leading the way to student success with FCS. FCS. 